Welcome to Building Charleston, a podcast where we shine a bright light on the dynamic companies changing the landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Matt Chapdelaine, and as your host each week, I'll be bringing you the most interesting business owners in the Lowcountry. We'll explore how they got to where they are, what they're working on, and what their vision is for the future of Charleston. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused exclusively on representing Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, downsizing, looking to open a new location, or opening the first office in the Charleston area, give us a call at 843-508-3038 or go to our website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Building Charleston podcast, the podcast where we take a moment each week to meet the leaders changing the landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Matt Chapdelaine. I am the host of Building Charleston and the broker in charge at Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate company representing Charleston's office, industrial, and retail tenants with their commercial leases. We are recording this podcast on May 20th, 2019, and we are recording from the offices of Going Places off of Long Point Road. Today's guest represents one of the most inspiring stories in the Lowcountry. Her story has been featured on the Steve Harvey Show, NBC Nightly News, and many more, and now the Building Charleston podcast. She's our second 40 Under 40 guest. I am pleased to welcome Katie Blomquist from Going Places. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Katie, you have a really interesting background. First things first, how did you come to live in the Charleston area? Well, I'm actually from LA, California. I'm a real life Valley girl, as I like to say. And I worked my way here. I went to school in Colorado, University of Colorado Boulder, lived in Chicago and moved here on a whim about eight years ago. Okay. So like me, some Chicago background and found paradise down here in Charleston. Now you have a background, you were, you were a school teacher before getting into going places. how did you become a school teacher? Well, this is actually my third career. Being okay. a school teacher was my second career. I started doing marketing and advertising online and print, and I just I had no fulfillment. I didn't feel like I was what I was doing mattered. I wasn't changing lives. It just it was very mundane to me. So I was nannying while I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. I was twenty six, and after about a year of that, I realized the impact the kids had on me and I had on them. So I decided to get my master's in elementary education, and that's how it all started. Okay. And what is Going Places for listeners who have not not heard of it before? So Going Places' mission is to provide disadvantaged kids with their most basic childhood right, which is a right to joy. We do that by providing every single child in the Title I elementary schools with a new custom bike. So we're giving 300, 600 bikes at once. It's not just 12 bikes here, 10 bikes here. They're high quality because they're custom made, and we give them in these big surprise bike reveals to every single child. 
And what is a Title I school? And we, when we talked last time, you told me a lot about it. It's, I think it's kind of important to the story. What is what, make, what makes a school a Title I versus not a Title I? So Title I is low-income, high-poverty, and it means 40% or more of the families that have children attend there live at or below the poverty line. But in most cases in the Charleston area, the Title I schools have about 90% living at or below the poverty line. So... What makes going places different as a not-for-profit? I, obviously, you know, these kids probably have a lot of they have a lot of needs. They, you know, I'm sure they need help with their books, just kind of you know some of the general life expenses. What you know, why why bikes? So when I was a teacher and I started this, I myself I was you know so engulfed in this world of poverty that these kids had that they lived in with the lack of beds and socks and shoes and coats and all the things that we typically think of when we think of charities, but what I myself didn't even think about was those joys in life that most of us have memories that we share and things like riding a bike. And so I, I realized that joy is a piece of our social emotional health as well. And just, it's just as important as those basic needs. And so I realized that we needed to address that as well. And so this is what, what makes us stand out is not only do we address the idea of joy being a need too, and it's a, the piece of our social emotional health, like I mentioned, but we do it on a massive level. We're not just giving a few bikes here and a few bikes there. We're giving 300, 600 bikes at once and they're custom made bikes. So they're really high quality. And so that brings our fundraising needs to another level as well. Mm -hmm. But those are things that make us really stand out that make it, that separate us from everybody else. Every great story has a, you know, has a starting point of an aha moment. What was the starting point? How did going places get started? So I was a teacher at Pepper Hill Elementary School off Ashley Phosphate, and a little boy in my class, Jawan, I taught first grade. I was I used to take him out. Well, I still do take him out on weekends and after school to experience things that he was missing out on. And on his birthday, he asked me for a bike, and that's when it hit me. Oh my gosh! I like I said, didn't even think about those basic joys of childhood being needs too. And so I realized, you know. If I did a GoFundMe, somebody was just going to fund that right away. Mm -hmm. What more could I do? What bigger impact could I have if I did a GoFundMe? And once I started thinking about it, how, how could I leave any of those sweet kids out? Like, they are all in need. And so I did the GoFundMe. It went viral. And I ended up getting all 650 kids in my school a new custom bike, which we make with the Florida Bike Bike Shop. And I raised over $80,000 in three and a half months. Wow. Wow. I have I have two little boys. I put together two bikes a couple of weeks ago for their birthdays. That was a big task. You started out with 650 bikes. <laughs> Did you ever think you weren't going to get there? Were you a little nervous at times? I, I weirdly wasn't. I don't get that fear. I don't know. I always kind of laugh that something's wrong with me, but I don't. Fear to me isn't. It, it, failure isn't. I mean, I know it's cliche say failure isn't, isn't an option. But I don't think of things like that. I just say, I'm going to do this until I do it. And if it takes me a year, then that's how long it takes me. If it takes me two months, then that's how long it takes me. But I'm not going to stop. So to me, there is no option where it just isn't going to happen. It's just the matter of how long is it going to take till it happens. Okay. Also part of any good story, there's a couple of uh, breaks or a couple of changing things that happen along the way. It's you, You've been on the Steve Harvey show. You've received calls from Rachel Ray. The Ellen DeGeneres show, multiple other uh, other outlets. And those are all some pretty impressive platforms. How did that affect the 
the arc of the, the trajectory, if you will, on your success? And then how do you continue to stay in the, in the public eye once that's behind you? So that is what made it go viral. It was an article in the Post and Courier is what got the attention at Steve Harvey and what got the attention of The Ellen Show and all these other big shows. And I... I didn't stop with the social media and I have not for two years. And that is a huge, important piece people miss out on. It's not just Facebook or just LinkedIn. It's Twitter. It's Facebook. It's LinkedIn. It's Instagram. It's, it's all of them. And we've been able to keep up this momentum, thankfully. And it's been because we are lucky enough to have this national following now and public, publicly, locally, it has been extreme. Everyone's been very supportive. The local media, our community. So, once it went by, once we got on the Steve Harvey show, it was like everybody was calling. And that was very, very lucky for us. Mm-hmm. That's, listen, sometimes that's what it takes, right? <laughs> you, you can keep doing the right thing. You can do the right thing, but everyone's got to get a break one, you know, once, uh, once or twice. And yeah. so Steve Harvey, you know, really put you on the map, which it is all, all came from the Post and Courier. I want to ask a series of questions on non-for-profits and philanthropy in Charleston. First question, what is Charleston doing right in the philanthropy and nonprofit sector? So because it's a small city, we are able to highlight all the good that people are doing. You know, I'm from L.A. I lived in Chicago. These are two of the biggest cities in our country. And, you know, I I always think about had I what if I hadn't left Chicago? Would I have still I would have still been a teacher in the title and schools. Maybe I would have had this idea down the line. But would it have ever gotten to where it is now? Because there's a million people doing great things. And there's also a lot of bad stuff that's on the news too. Would it have stood out, you know, in the media? Would mm-hmm. I have gotten as much media attention locally to get it, to continue the publicity of what we're doing? So I don't know. I think it's being a small city is a huge benefit for us and that the people are so involved and care so much about the city. In those bigger cities, people don't know their neighbors. They don't, unfortunately, I don't think care as much, but here everybody is kind of in this, this, these peninsulas, these islands together. And so people, I feel like care a lot more and they want to help the, the disadvantaged kids because they are our neighbors. Interesting. So there's a lot of people that must have stepped up to help this get off the ground. I mean, 650 bikes is not a small undertaking. Getting them delivered is not a small undertaking. You have an office that's been, uh, you know, contributed who has stepped up to help you in your efforts with going places? So this community is, I cannot say enough great things about it. Just from going to like networking events, I've met so many people that have changed the course of going places. Fathom Realty supports us on a national level. They donate thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every year. They donated $40,000 last year. I mean, wow. they have been integral in this for us. Custom Development Solutions donate our office space to us. So that is money that we can now put towards bikes that we don't have to worry about paying rent every month and making sure we have enough to pay for it. The South Carolina Federal Credit Union furnished our office. Again, another huge expense that people don't think about. That's money that is not going towards bikes now that we can put towards bikes. Mm -hmm. Squeeze Marketing has taken care of our website since day one. And that's one of the biggest compliments I get is people say how fantastic our website is. Obviously, afford a bike. I mentioned them before. They custom make our bikes, and we basically get them at cost from them. These bikes are worth two, three hundred dollars, and we get them 
at about $113 each. Malfrus Video Productions, he has done an amazing job making our branding video. He comes to every event and does all of our professional videography. On Purpose Adventures, they help plan all of our events. We had an adult field day last month and they planned all the games. Everything's organized. They help, they're going to help plan our gala. So they bring that event planning aspect that I don't have a background in, which Mm -hmm. is very helpful. Thomas Heath Coaching, he has been one of the most amazing mentors to me, helping with our wording, our branding, in our brochures, on our website, our tagline. So all of those, without those companies, I literally don't think we would be where we are. That's awesome. That's great that you're getting so much support from the community, but I'm sure like any, you know, growing company, there's always resources you need. If I'm a podcast listener to this episode and I said, geez, you know, I wonder what else, you know, Katie's looking for. Is there anything that's kind of imminent on your radar that someone could reach out and help on? I was just thinking today how beneficial it would be for us to own our own like trailer, you know, like when you haul, you have those small little trailers, you can attach the back of your car. So if we own something like that would be huge because I have an SUV, but it doesn't fit everything I always need to haul places. So having, if someone had one of those they wanted to bring to us and we could put their logo on it or something, that would be huge. But, you know, we're always looking for companies that want to be sponsors and help, you know, fund a school. Or if a company wants to donate, you know, printers or printer ink, someone that just want, people forget how expensive printer ink is just in a regular home office printer. If someone wanted to keep up with that kind of cost, that would be so beneficial to any nonprofit. I mean, I think it's, Little things like that, those little everyday expenses that people forget, that's money that is not going towards bikes. Mm-hmm. It's not going towards our cause that we don't want to spend on the the printing. And so things like that would be hu- hugely beneficial. Or someone that what, we have a friend that always is willing to print stuff for us when we have huge orders. If it's 100 copies of something, you forget how expensive that can be. Mm-hmm. And so offering nonprofits saying, hey, if you ever need a bunch of copies made, like we'll do it for you. Stuff like that is very okay. beneficial. I'm sure I'm sure there's plenty more that you're not even asking yes. about at this point. <laughs> and so if you're a podcast listener and you're thinking out there, boy, I wonder if she could use XYZ service. I didn't hear it mentioned. I'll put all of Katie's contact information in the show description. And if you want to get involved, you know, certainly take it upon yourself to reach out to Katie. I'm sure that there are a million other things. Yeah, signage, anything. I mean, it's, (laughs) I could go on and on, (laughs) but at every bike reveal, those are things we like to partner with people for trade on. Okay. And when's the next bike reveal coming up? May 30th and June 3rd. So it's right around the corner, everyone. It's not too late to get involved is my understanding. Correct. Correct. Okay, good. Let's get back to kind of the day-to-day of going places. Is this a full-time job for you? It is. Okay, so... When I was teaching, I was teaching and doing the GoFundMe at the same time, and that was two full-time jobs, and both ended up suffering. You, you, if you, to get this where it needed to go, it needed my full-time everyday attention. And it's, I mean, I work till literally 10 or 11 p.m. five nights a week, so on just this. On just this. And what else do you do outside of giving out bikes to kids who need them? <laughs> Not much. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I have created an LLC to be a professional speaker. That's another passion of mine that I've realized that I love doing through this. And so it's a way for me to, I have a great story. It's very Obviously, inspirational yes. on how this started. And so I, and I've learned a lot along the way that I want to share with other people on how to make what they're doing stand out. It doesn't have to be a nonprofit mm-hmm. or on how, you know, this, I made this leap. I left a stable job with an income and benefits to do this full time. And 
that's a huge fear a lot of people have. They may want to leave what they're doing to do what they actually want to do. Mm -hmm. And so it's how to overcome that fear and how to redefine what failure actually means. And so I have another whole talk on that. But I'm also going to be hosting workshops on how I get asked constantly from people on how I want to start a nonprofit. Like I literally don't even know what the first step is. So I'm going to host intensive workshops so people can learn how to start it, the order. And then I have a list of resources on who you need to call and in what order. Okay. And is, is that, that's obviously a separate entity from going places? It is. That's okay. a side thing that I'm going to do. So, cause I have to make a living and sure. I don't, I just make what I made as a teacher from going places and I don't want to take more money out of it, but sure. I can't live like this forever. Sure. So it's another way for me to make money. It's a great way to indirectly promote going places because I use going places as my examples to back up all the advice I'm giving. This is what worked for me and this is why. And here's the proof. As a fellow entrepreneur and someone who started their own business, I can tell you that some of the most important parts of, the, of, a, of a company's growth is not necessarily the story of what they're doing, but the story of the other things that they do so that they can maintain the, you know, the current business that they're doing just to make ends meet, just to you know, keep, uh, keep things going. So I applaud you for, for you know, stepping out there again, once again, and establishing a career as a, as a public speaker. Thanks. I think that's fantastic. So if somebody wanted to hire you to speak for their company or their not-for-profit or something like that, is that a separate contact information? You can, nope, you can just email me at katie at goingplacesnonprofit.org. You can okay. reach out the website. I haven't quite developed my own website for it yet. I'm sure okay. that's, you know, down the works. road. But right now, I mean, through any social media, I'm the one that answers all the Going Places social media or my own personal. So it's pretty easy to get a hold of me. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Change it up a, a little bit as, as we start to wind down. What is the best part of growing the Going Places platform in the Charleston area? It's so great getting people involved and seeing people get excited because they want to be part of it. You know, I don't get those Sunday scaries everyone talks about before mm-hmm. work on Monday. I actually really look forward to my work, my work week. I love laying in bed on Sunday night, looking at my calendar because every meeting I have is with people who want to be part of what we're doing. They want to help, and that's exciting. And so, yes, the grant writing and the that stuff is not as glamorous or as fun, but it's every moment of it, I'm working towards helping a kid who doesn't have joy in their life. And so that's exciting in and of itself. But I love helping other people be part of it, helping mm-hmm. other people give back and seeing their reaction because I know how good it feels, and I love watching them discover it when they come to the bike reveals. And seeing their reaction to the kids dropping to the ground in, in utter shock that they're getting a bike, that's really fun. Awesome. So one last question. It's a question I typically ask of, uh, of the guests on the podcast. What is your vision for Charleston as we continue to grow? I would love to continue to see the community really making it a priority to give back to the disadvantaged, not just kids, but people in it. I mean, there are so many ways to help. You could be a mentor at a school, elementary school and and just eat lunch with a kid once a week. That is life-changing for kids. Or donate, you know, people have all these mattresses that they get rid of. We don't think, give them to, call up any Title I school because I guarantee you they have a kid in that school that sleeps on the floor or the couch or shares a bed with three other people. They could use that extra mattress. There's so many ways to get back that people don't even think about. And so I just hope people continue to seek out ways that, that they can, if it's not financially, how they can give their time to make our community better. 
That's awesome. That's a fantastic way to wrap up the, the interview. You're obviously building Charleston. This You've been an excellent guest. Uh, at this time, I typically like to wrap up with a pro tip to the listeners who are listening. And instead of a pro tip this week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer a pro challenge. A landlord stepped up and donated this office space to Going Places. And when I heard Katie tell the story about how she had this office space, she absolutely lit up because of the impact it's had on her business. This week's pro challenge in replace of the pro's tip is for other building owners in the Charleston area. If you have space that you're not using and you can let it go to a higher cause, then one, look around your community and extend that offer to a local cause that you're interested in. That's probably the easiest approach. Two, if you don't know anyone who can use the space, give me a call. I'm happy to circulate it through the not-for-profit community. If you're a not-for-profit out there who's kind of curious as to how this all works, reach out to Katie. She's a huge resource and I'm sure she'd be happy to help you. Space is at a premium here in the low country. So if you have something that you're not using, I'll challenge you to donate it for a good cause because a little bit can go a long way. If you like this episode and you want to hear more, please like the podcast and subscribe. Building Charleston publishes each week and we have a lot more exciting interviews on deck. If you have a question or comment or know someone who would be good to be featured on the show, please email me. My contact information is also in the description. Finally, if you're a business in the low country looking to expand or relocate your business, or if you're listening to us from outside the Charleston market, and you're considering moving your business to the low country, please give us a call. Again, contact information is in the show description. With that, thank you one last time to Katie from Going Places. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Go out there, everyone, and make it a great day. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused exclusively on representing Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, downsizing, looking to open a new location, or opening the first office in the Charleston area, Give us a call at 843-508-3038 or go to our website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com.